Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Numbers chapter 15. Numbers 15. You know, I don't want to gloss over the events of the past couple weeks as we started our study in Numbers 13 and Numbers 14 because there's some very heavy things that are happening here. You know, you start to see a picture of, I shouldn't say you start to see, but it just blows up even more when the Lord gives us His perspective on fear and what fear does inside of us, inside of you and me. It's not good. It's good when we fear Him and Him alone, but all these outside influences that just can, can, can uh, 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 come up against us in order to instill fear. And it's one of the tools that Satan uses. Our enemy uses fear to stunt our growth and to retard our faith, the growth of our faith. You know, the, you know this, our, 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 our study through Corinthians, and you hear me mentioned arrested development. Well, this is one of the tools that he uses, is instilling fear. And he also, our enemy, he also attempts to turn God into a liar. That's what he attempts to do. You can't let him, we can't let him do that. Our enemy, Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, that serpent of old, who was a murderer from the beginning. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your faith, your walk with him, ultimately you. That's what he wants. And we can't let him. We have to understand and lean on the promises of the Lord no matter what. You know, when I say that he attempts to turn God into a liar, because we have all these beautiful verses, all these beautiful verses in the entirety of Scripture about God's promises, God's love for us, God's protection. But then all of a sudden, what happens when, you know, it, it's because of our disobedience? Because of a moment of disobedience, it's like all of a sudden we're walking in the wilderness and 11-day journey becomes a 40-year journey. And we have to learn things in our journey through the wilderness. You know, and I'm speaking metaphorically. I mean, we're not walking 40 years through wilderness, but, you know, spiritually, we might be. You might be. There was a period in my life when I was an easy, easy little... A decision. Easy, simple. And I chose the wrong. I shouldn't say easy decision. But I mean, I guess, you know, I want to say I shouldn't say. But then when you think about it, it's like, well, you know, obedience is kind of easy. But back then, 25 years ago, 22 years ago, I couldn't say obedience was easy. You know why? Because I had one foot in the world and one foot in the church. I love the Lord, but I also like the things of the world. You see, and today I can tell you, you know, today you hear me say, you know, from time to time that obedience is kind of easy. Well, that's a learned thing. But then at the same time, you know, so we lean on God's promises. But what about when there's moments of chastising, chastisement upon us, chastisement upon you, upon me? And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, God's word promises this, God's word says this, and you're like, how come I don't feel that way? How come I don't feel this way? I've had people tell me before, I want to come to church and feel good about myself. I want to come to church and feel good. And it's entirely possible to come to church and hear a sermon and feel wonderful. 
It's entirely possible. But the only way that happens is through obedience. And I tell you from experience, the more obedience you have unto the Lord and leaning on Him and yielding to His Word and His Spirit, the more blessed you'll feel. I don't want to say you'll feel good about yourself like it's like you know, like a motivational speaking. So a lot of times you go to church and you know here's like, wow, this is a motivational speaker. I want to hear a sermon. I want to hear the Word of God. You see, and you know, people tell me, oh, I want to feel good about myself. I want to come to church and feel good about myself. Praise the Lord. It's not, you know, to feel good about yourself, like a self-esteem kind of. It's like, wait a second, where is obedience? Oh, I want to feel good about myself. Okay, obey the Lord. Obey the Lord and, you know, you'll feel like a million bucks. You'll come to church and you'll feel like the, it, it, it's not like you'll, you'll feel it. It's not like a, uh, you know, like a self-esteem, like, you know, uh, what do they call that when you, I don't know what you call it, but, you know, self-esteem. It's not like that. It's called the blessings of the Lord. The blessings of the Lord. And you'll have it with obedience. But then what happens when we have moments of disobedience? You read a passage of scripture and you're like, man, in my heart, I feel like dirt. But the word of God says that I should feel good. The word of God says that I'm blessed, but I feel like dirt. And then all of a sudden, the enemy whispers. You see, you're going to believe the Bible. That's what he whispers. You're going to believe the Bible. You're going to believe the word. Look, God's word says this, but you don't feel that way. Why is that? You know, wouldn't this be better? Wouldn't you feel good if you did this? Wouldn't you feel good if you drank this? If you took a hit of this? That's what he does. Because he won't, he's a liar. A murderer from the beginning. He wants to destroy everything that's good in your life. And we have to understand what happens with obedience and what happens with disobedience. And that's what we learn in the entirety of Scripture. Through the examples of others. And we learn it in Scripture but then we learn it experientially, too, through our own lives. I meant moments of disobedience. You feel like dirt. Praise be to the Lord. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's the enemy that comes in and tries to turn God into a liar. But you have to understand, wow, I feel like dirt because I'm disobedient to the Lord. You have to be honest with yourself. And then, you know, you change your ways. You repent. You align your life with Christ, align your choices with Christ, align your mind with Christ and His Word. Remember, the Word became flesh. And then all of a sudden, it's not like a feel-good that you have. It's called blessedness. Blessings of the Lord. And so look what happens here. We're going to pick up in chapter 15, verse 1. And I have to say, you know, the, the past couple weeks in our study in Numbers 13 and 14, it was difficult. Very, very difficult passages to study because it's like, wow, you know, uh, you, you see what fear does and the heavy, heavy, heavy cost it was. So here we are in chapter 15 and it begs the question, now what? Now what? It's like, wow, this heavy chastisement. Wow. And, and, and now do you remember in our study in Exodus, and I reference it, reference it quite a bit, but in Exodus 33, chapter, or Exodus 33, cha uh, 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 Exodus 33, verse 3, 
the Lord is the one who tells, he says, go to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go in your, go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. That's what he says. He's telling Moses, look, here's the land of milk and honey. You go over there, and I'm not going to be with you. Because you guys are stiff-necked people, and if I go with you, I'm going to kill you guys. That's what he says. And it just blows me away because, like in Exodus 33, verse 5, the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, you are stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you and destroy you, he says. You see? And then all of a sudden, in chapter 34, it's so beautiful because the Lord gives the new tablets of stone. First of all, in chapter 33 of Exodus, what happens is that Moses intercedes for the people once again. Moses intercedes for the people. Remember his humility that we studied a couple chapters ago? And he intercedes for the people, and then the Lord says, okay, I'll go with you. Except this time, you know, in chapter 34, you know, here's the two new, new tablets, the, the new Ten Commandments. Remember, the Ten Commandments were given three times. Three times. The first time, spoken. The second time, two tablets that were destroyed at the golden calf. And then this is the next set of uh, 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 the Ten Commandments. Two new tablets. And before, the Lord says, I'm not going to go with you. In chapter 33, Exodus. In chapter 34, he says, okay, I'm going to go with you. But here's the Ten Commandments. Here's the two tablets. But now there's blood. Now there is sacrifice. And it's so beautiful. Remember when they were in, in, uh, 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 in Egypt? And Moses, you know, said, Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, let my people go so that they may worship me. But then at the same time, you see Moses say, when, when Pharaoh's like, oh, yeah, go ahead and go, you know, get out of here, but leave the animals. And Moses says, no, no, we're going to take the animals. We don't even know what we're going to use them for, but we're going to take the animals, our herds, our flocks, everything. We're going to take it all. And Moses says, I don't even know what it's for, but you know what? We're going to take it. That's what the Lord says. I don't know what it's for. But that's what the Lord says, so that's what we're going to do. How beautiful is that to just not know exactly how these, of course, you know, like, you know, uh, 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 offerings unto the Lord. But before, when the Lord was giving blueprints to Moses, when they were, this is after they left they, 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 the Exodus, I don't think Moses knew exactly the level of sacrifice. Maybe like a sacrifice here, a sacrifice there. But all the sacrifices, the types, and how intricate it was going to be. Wow. I mean, like, how beautiful is it to have that kind of faith to say, I don't know what we're going to need these for, but you know what? The Lord says to bring them, so we're going to bring them. You see? That's walking by faith and not by sight. In the Old Testament, we have an example not just in Moses, but in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, walking by faith, not by sight. I mean, imagine in Egyptian captivity and Pharaoh says, okay, you're free to go, only leave your animals. And if freedom is the objective, it's like, boom, we're out of here. Wow, praise the Lord, we're out of here. But even that alone would be an act of disobedience. You say like, whoa, but wait a second. Israel can be free. The Jews can be free from Egyptian captivity. And you're calling it disobedience? Yes, because that's not how the Lord, or that's not how he spoke it to be. That's not how he, he, that's not the blueprints that he told Moses. That's not what he told Moses. And Moses 
You know, instead of hearing, wow, we're free to go. Okay, guys, let's get out of here. He tells Pharaoh, no. No, we're taking all our animals. You see, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And it got to the point where the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, a form of judgment upon Pharaoh. But walking by faith. You say, why, why, why are we talking about all the animals here? You know why? Because in Numbers 15, what do we see? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Look at chapter 15 in Numbers. Let's begin our study here in verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have come into the land, you are to inhabit, which I am giving to you. Now, remember here, in, 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 these are things that these were said already. In, in, the, 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 the land was already promised. But now it's for the next generation. And how terrible is that for this particular generation, the generation that's going to die in the wilderness? But yet at the same time, you see their obedience that they have learned and that they're going to continue to learn. And that the next generation, they're learning. You see, the fear of the Lord. They're learning. And that's the beauty of chastisement. You say like, wow, you know, how can chastisement be, be good? Well, it is good because of what it produces. Not, not, you know, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, you know, the right here and now. But what does it produce? What does chastisement upon you produce? Now, remember, if we are without chastisement, we are illegitimate children. You, might re you hear me reference Hebrews 12 quite a bit. And then the King James Version says, if you're without chastisement, you're a bastard. I used to have a hard time saying that. Like, I don't like saying, you know. The B word, you know, I don't like saying bastard, you know. And then I was reading it and they were like, wow, you know, I, I read the King James. I'm like, wow, it straight up says bastard. So then I started saying it. So it's in the Bible. <laughs> but if you're without chastisement, that's what the Bible says. You're illegitimate. You have to expect, we, I have to expect chastisement upon me, upon you, upon all of us. Why? Because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. But what happens in the aftermath of chastisement? We learn obedience. We learn the fear of the Lord. We learn to honor Him. We learn to have reverence for Him. And this generation that's in the wilderness, the generation that's going to die in the wilderness, you know, they're paying a heavy, heavy, heavy cost. And I don't want to say that, you know, everything's fine and dandy during this wilderness because we're going to see more acts of the flesh of car the carnal nature murmuring and complaining we're gonna see more but you know what we're also gonna see sacrifice atonement how beautiful is that how beautiful is it to know how much the lord loves his people i mean we're talking about the Old Testament when I say he loves his people. Remember, there's provisions for Gentiles too. People who believe in the Lord and want to be uh, in the camp of Israel. But don't forget a beautiful, beautiful verse which is commonly known. And I'm going to read it. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he... God so loved the world... 
that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see what's happening? It's a straight up rescue mission. You see, from what? From sin. From sin that separates you from the Lord. From sin that separates me from the Lord. You see, and that's what's so beautiful about belief. Because belief evokes a response, which is what? Obedience. That's what Brother James writes about. That's what Paul writes about. That's what Peter writes about. And that's what we see here in the Old Testament. You see the people of God, they're learning obedience. And other things too. But they're learning to obey. People think, okay, wow, I'm out of Egypt. Wow, I'm free. I'm free. I mean, it's a, it, you start to see that, yes, they're out of Egypt. They're out of Egypt proper. There are no more chains on their wrists, no more chains on their ankles, no more, you know, whips on the back, no more, you know, all, all the uh, blood and sweat and, you know, slavery, no more of that. But even being outside of Egypt, there is still a form of bondage which is a slave to sin. See? These are things that in Christ, I mean, we have the entirety of the word of God and the word became flesh, but we're so spoiled now because we have it. We understand what's happening. But back then, here in Numbers 15, these are things that they have to learn, like, real time. Wow, you know, we're no longer in Egypt. We're no longer cool. Like, praise the Lord. It's so awesome. And then they're in the wilderness. Man, I remember when we used to have fish and the leeks and the garlic. Man, it was better to be in Egypt. And they paid a heavy price for their murmuring and complaining. And so here in verse 1, you know, the, the, the land which it was already given to the people, already given to Israel. But now instead of 11-day journey, it is now a 40-year journey. And the Lord being forward-looking is saying, when you get to that land... What well, we ended in verse 2, but here in verse 3, and you make an offering by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering or in your appointed feast to make a sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd or the flock. Now, I have to say this. We're referencing things that we've already studied in our studies through Leviticus. And some of these passages about the sacrifice, the free will offering, the uh, the feasts, you know, the, the concept of a sweet aroma. Do you remember when we were in our study in Leviticus? And I made the mention, like a little challenge. Maybe not a, a little challenge. I mean, it, some might have received it as a little challenge. Some might have received it as a big challenge. I pray the latter. But start thinking of your life. Your life, not just here, not just here and now. But the entirety of your life, next week, next month, next year, next decade, until your last breath. Start thinking of your life, your choices, your mind as a sweet aroma unto the Lord. The works of your hand, the steps of your feet, a sweet aroma unto the Lord. 
And I'm going to read through these verses in, 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 in Numbers 15. And you might think like, wow, how come he's not really expounding upon it? Well, you know, if, if, you ha- if you're a fresh listener, you know, you've been listening for like a week or two. You haven't been listening very long. Go back to our study through Leviticus. Start in Leviticus 1 and listen to all of it. Because, you know, we explain exactly what, you know, how things are forward looking and a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And our walk as new covenant believers, this, the book of Leviticus is hardcore into the law. I mean, it's like a straight up legal book. But to understand Christ, understand Christ, a fulfillment of the law. Remember, Jesus Christ says, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. And so I'm going to not gloss over these verses. I might make mention of, you know, certain things. But maybe not so much as, you know, if these were fresh verses. Why? Because we have to grow. We have to grow. These are things that we, I mean, it would be like, say if I'm like you're, uh, we're in school together, you know, we're in like, you know, uh, second grade, whatever kids learn in second grade. I don't know what they learn. I mean, I have an idea of what they learn. Say you learn like the uh, arithmetic in second grade, you know, very basic arithmetic. So we're in second grade and it's like, okay, we're done with the school year. We all got our A's and B's and, you know, C's and, you know, whatever we, we passed. And then we get to third grade and it's like we, we're, we start learning the same exact thing that we learned in the second grade. It's like, well, wait a second. Okay, okay you know, maybe I can, I can understand this. You know, you have a teacher, maybe the teacher's a little, a little slow. And then we get into fourth grade and we're learning the same thing that we learned in third grade, which was the same thing that we learned in second grade. It's like, wait a second, how come we're not growing? How come we're not matriculating? Then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm on a homeschool now, you know? Or I'm going to go to a different school. I'm going to transfer out of this school because this school is defunct. This school teaches, uh, this is like a little children's school. I want to move on, you know, like that we studied uh, uh, on Sunday. Teacher of boys, you know, little boys school for children. And, you know, schooling for children is good, but you have to grow. And so, you know, as we look at these verses here in Numbers 15, I'm going to make mention of these sacrifices, the offerings, the feasts, and, you know, all these different things. But reference, remember, recall, refresh, like stir, stir, the, stir your mind. Stir your mind. You know, sometimes I'll go out for coffee. I'll get a cup of coffee. And not so much anymore. Well, I guess I still do. But, you know, now I'm kind of liking the lattes now. But I used to drink the mochas. I'm drinking tea right now. Just so you know, if you hear me make these pauses and then you hear me slurp, I try really hard not to slurp too loud, but I have throat issues. So pray for my throat. If you're listening for, you know, have you been, you're like a new listener, that's why. If you're like, what's up with these long pauses? So it's because I have to stop and take a sip of tea, hot tea. This one just happens to be really, really hot. So that's why you hear the slurp. So I try not to have too many distractions, but, I, you know, sometimes it's a distraction. But it's my throat. But, um, so, you know, like I used to drink the, I, I drink the lattes now, but they like, uh, I used to drink mochas a lot, but if, if I let it sit too long, all the little, the little chocolates, the little, uh, the, the cocoa, you know, it would go to the bottom, you know? And so I'd be finished with it and I have this big old, you know, thick, uh, chocolate stuff at the bottom. And I didn't like that. So I, I ended up just throwing it out. So now instead of throwing it out, 
I would like always like stir my cup, you know, always like hold on to my cup and stir it just to make sure there's a nice little mixture. So every drink I have, every sip I have has a nice mocha taste to it, you know. That's what we do with the Word of God. Because what happens when it's like, okay, so what if, you know, if you remember our study in Leviticus, everything from the entire book, all the chapters, remember everything. But we're here we are in Numbers, we're going to be in Deuteronomy, Joshua, and, you know, we're going to reference these passages in Leviticus because we're going to see sacrifices. But then at the same time, we can forget how easy is it for us to forget. And so we have to stir it, stir the cup a little bit, stir the vessel so that it does, the little the sediment doesn't, you know, go to the bottom. And so it's although we don't have the flavor anymore because the sediment has gone to the bottom. You know, I mean, if you picture yourself as a little cup or a, a vessel, we have to remember, we have to stir our minds. Stir our minds. And that's my prayer for everyone who listens. That's my prayer for all of you. That we stir our minds, that the Holy Spirit stirs us. Because we can't let this, you know, we can't let things, you know, get to the bottom and, you know, kind of uh, uh, get down to the bottom to the point where we forget. Especially nowadays, we're in the last days. And so look what happens here. A sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd or the flock in verse 4. Then he who presents his offering to the Lord shall bring a grain offering. Notice, it's not just the, it, it's not just the, uh, 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 the offering alone. You see, it's not just the, the, the sacrifice alone. Now it's the grain offering. I mean, you remember our studies in Leviticus? Everything points to Christ, a foreshadowing of Christ, the fulfillment of the law. So now we have a grain offering of one-tenth of an ephah, a fine flour, mixed with one-fourth of a hin of oil. Very interesting what we see here. We see the grain, the uh, flour, and then we see the oil. As new covenant believers, does this ring a bell, knowing that Jesus Christ is the bread of life? What about oil for our lamps? Oil as the, the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit? Man, how powerful is this to understand like, wow, we see these little verses here in Numbers 15. And not just seeing this, this beautiful offering and this beautiful sacrifice, but, and I'm not advocating the law. I mean the, these beautiful offerings knowing that they're a foreshadowing of Christ. And on top of that, also knowing the fall in the camp of Israel that we studied the last couple of weeks. You see, especially knowing when the Lord says, you know, hey, Moses, I'm going to start. I'm going to kill everybody and I'm going to start fresh with you. And you see Moses as a type of Christ interceding for the people. You see. Wow, how beautiful is this to understand, you know, the heart of the Lord. That's why it bugs me sometimes because you have Bible teachers, youth leaders, pastors, elders say, oh, I don't like to teach the Old Testament. I don't like to teach the Old Testament. You know, God is too vengeful. It's like, what? This is so beautiful, these passages. Yes, I meant, I meant the Lord. I mean, last week we studied how the Lord says, you know what? Uh, I, I, I'm Moses, I'm going to start fresh. I'm going to kill these people. So yes, there's that, but... Remember, the Lord is reactionary. The Lord is reactionary, Old Testament and New Testament. You see, in accordance with the Old Covenant, the Lord is reactionary, or the Lord, you know, I don't want to say was reactionary, because, you know, 
I am who I am is what he says. But the Lord is reactionary, old covenant, new covenant, surprise, the Lord is reactionary. You see? Oh, but God preordained this, God preordained that. Remember our study in, in, in uh, Romans? Not just Romans 9, Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. The theme. You see? A lot of people get, uh, they go off into crazy town. Because, you know, they start to believe in uh, 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 weird theories. Based on, you know, some verses in, you know, I don't want to say that Romans can lead people into this, but an improper understanding. Oh, God preordained. That's why people get into replacement theology. But they forget Romans 11. The branch is not greater than the root. The root supports the branch, you see. But how beautiful is it to see these passages? Look here in, in verse 5 and one-fourth of a hint of wine. All these passages, I mean, they, these should resonate. As to New Covenant believers, this should resonate. Because you're a new wineskin. I pray you're a new wineskin. I mean, I don't want you to be an old wineskin because that's dangerous. And if you are an old wineskin, you need to repent. Why is it that you're an old wineskin like I was an old wineskin 20-some years ago? Why is that? For me, I can tell you because I like the world. I liked the flesh. I liked the works of the flesh. That's why I was an old wineskin. I believed the Lord. But I was an old wineskin. I received new wine. Praise the Lord. But because I was an old wineskin, I couldn't hold new wine, just as the Word of God says. So I pose the question to you, if you're an old wineskin, why is that? You see? I don't say this, you know, why is that? You know, oh, you're going to burn in hell. No, I don't say it like, you know, why are you an old wineskin? You better repent. You better repent. You repent. I don't, it's not like I'm pointing a finger at you. Like you have to repent. But I tell you, you have to repent. Because I was like that. I've walked that. And I've learned the error of my ways. And I'm telling you. Learn the error of your ways. Don't be old wineskin. Repent. Be new wineskin. Because the Lord will pour new wine in you. And if you're old wineskin, you might be able to hold a little bit of new wine. But because you're old wineskin, the new wine is going to seep inside and it cannot contain new wine. It can't. Old wineskin cannot hold new wine. So you might feel like, you know, fine in debt. You might feel good about yourself. But it's short-lived. Why? Because new wine will pour out. That's not good. You need to have new wine to be inside of you and to stay inside of you. So be a new wineskin. But all these passages should, should resonate with the new covenant believer, when we look at the grain offering, the flour, the oil, the wine. You see in verse 5, wine as a drink offering you shall prepare with the burnt offering or the sacrifice for each lamb. And you have to remember our Levitical studies. You have to have to remember these. 
because it's all a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, and we explain it to you know great length. I mean, some of those studies were like little chapters, but man, they went, they were, we were deep. We were deep because the Lord showed us these things. The Lord taught us these things. And here in verse six, or for a ram, you shall prepare as a grain offering two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one third of a hin of oil. And as a drink offering, you shall offer one third of a hin of wine as a sweet aroma to the Lord. And when you prepare a young bull as a burnt offering or as a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a peace offering to the Lord, then shall be offered. Then, then shall be offered with the young bull a grain offering of three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with half a hin of oil, and you shall bring as the drink offering half a hin of wine as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Thus it shall be done for each young bull, for each ram, and for each lamb or young goat according to the number that you prepare so you shall do with everyone according to their number all who are native born shall do these things in this manner in presenting an offer made by fire a sweet aroma to the lord now something i have to say about this is remember that this is uh, 40 years in in into the future you know because like we looked at what happened last week in our study in Numbers 14. I, I, I mean, the, the, this is a, a hardcore lesson. I mean, when you think about chastisement, this is like, this is heavy. 40 years in the wilderness? Instead of being 11 days, it's now 40 years? That's pretty heavy. I, I, I shouldn't say that's pretty heavy. That's, that's very, very heavy. And that generation is going to die in the wilderness. It's the next generation that's going to go in, into the, the land of milk and honey, flowing with milk and honey. It's that generation that's going to go. And understanding that this is 40 years into the future, because, you know, the Lord told Moses in verse 1, you know, the Lord spoke to Moses saying in verse 2, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have come into the land you are about to inhabit, that's 40 years into the future. You know what that says? These people now, as they journey through the wilderness, you know what they're going to have to do? Remember. They're going to have to retain these things in their mind, in their heart. It is required. They are going to have to remember. And now you start to see a picture of the Lord teaching the people. Teaching the people about remembering Him. And yes, it's a hardcore lesson. But how beautiful is the lesson? You see? To those who have been trained by it, just like Hebrews 12 says, No chastening seems to be joyful for the present. But afterward, eventually, is how it translates, what does it yield? I mean, what does it yield inside of you? What does it yield inside of me, inside of us, inside of the body of Christ? I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I used to have, I, I hung around some pretty crazy kids. I guess, you know, you could say I was one of them. <laughs> but they used to do, well, we used to do some crazy things. And it got like to the point where it was really crazy, like, you know, like crazy, crazy. And, you know, my dad, 
he would just, he, he would chastise me big time. My dad would chastise me big time. And then my friends, when they started to get into criminal activity, uh, nope, you know, I'm not going, guys. I didn't fear the cops. I didn't fear juvenile hall. I didn't fear any of that. I feared my dad. My dad is going to kill me, so no way. I'm not going. You see, because of those past moments of chastisement that I received from my dad, and it wasn't, any, you know, it wasn't anything like, you know, like, uh, like my dad beat me to a bloody pulp, but he did not spare the rod. <laughs> he, he did not spare the rod. And praise the Lord. You know, I thanked him. When I was in my early 20s, I thanked him. I say, hey, Pops, you know, thank you for spanking me when I was a kid. I didn't understand it at the time, but thank you, Pops. You see, the past chastisement, it prepares us for the future, to have a, a future reverence. And the Lord is the exact same way. The exact, I mean, I say it's the exact, I mean, how much more our Father in Heaven, similar concept, but how much more? So, you know, the chastisement, a lot of times in our carnal flesh, our carnal nature, the natural man, the natural woman, we hate it. We hate chastisement. I get it. I understand it. It doesn't, it's not joyful. But understand what is happening inside of you. What is it that the Lord is showing you? And then the next time you're at the fork in the road, remember our study in Romans about, you know, uh, 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 walking according to the spirit and walking according to the flesh. And then you hear me say, you know, you take all these left turns and walking towards the flesh. You take the left turn, the left turn, the left turn, the left turn. And all the time you're walking according to the flesh. But then when you receive chastisement, it's painful. And then next time you're at the fork in the road, you're like, whoa, you know what? I learned my way. Lord, I love you and I also fear you. So instead of walking according to the flesh, I'm going to walk according to the spirit. You see, you learn. In your journey, in our journey, we learn. And that's what Israel is learning too, the fear of the Lord. In order for these things to happen for the next generation, when they get into the land which the Lord is giving to them, as he says in verse 2, that means that this generation that's going to die in the wilderness, they have to teach it to their little ones. They have to teach it to their kids. Because they're going to die in the wilderness, as the Lord said. Some of them already died when you know the Canaanites came against them. Some of them already died. Another form of chastisement. And the people learning the fear of the Lord. Imagine the survivors when a lot, you know, all these people died. They were overtaken, overrun by the uh, Canaanites. Imagine the survivors are like, whoa, what happened? And then they start to realize, we should have listened to Moses. We should have listened to Moses. And not to deify Moses, because remember, he's a servant in the master's house. But understand, you know, Moses was a vessel used of the Lord and by the Lord. Also as a type of Christ, not to deify Moses, but look at Christ inside of him. Just like Paul. Not to deify Paul, but Christ inside of Paul. Not to deify Barnabas, but Christ inside of Barnabas. Not to deify Chloe, you see. Not to deify Phoebe, but Christ inside of them. Or Lydia. Or Epaphroditus. Not to deify them, 
but Christ inside of them. What about Christ inside of you, my friend? Jesus Christ said, abide in me and I in you. You see? And then you consider yourself as a vessel, new wineskin. What is it that the Lord can do with you? Whew. Anything. Anything. I mean, you remember at the burning bush when the Lord, he gave Moses a little glimpse of what he was going to do. What the Lord was going to do and use Moses. I mean, picture that for a moment. Picture like, you know, like a, a mighty military. Say China. Okay. And you're, you're all alone in like uh, the neighboring, a neighboring country of China. Say you're like in the wilderness of, uh, I don't know, uh, Vietnam. You're in the wilderness. Uh, you're in the jungles of Vietnam. Okay. You know, nowadays. And you're just, you're tending flock, you know, through the jungle. So you got to be pretty tight knit. And if you happen to be Chinese, you know, forgive me. You know, I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister in Christ. But then, like, the Lord tells you, you're all alone. There's nobody around you. You're just doing your thing, you know, tending the flock of a person by the name of Jethro. You know, just follow my, this example. And then the Lord speaks to you. There's, you see the bush burning. And then you go, you hear a voice and you go to the voice. And the Lord starts to tell you all these things and you're just blown away. You know, take off your sandals because the place where you stand is holy ground. And so you take off your sandals and you listen. And then all of a sudden the Lord tells you, you know, I'm going to destroy the might of the Chinese military. What? Do you know? I mean, you're just one person. One person. And the Lord tells you that. Moses believed. I mean, he, he, I, I, he, 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 you, I, I say he believed and we read the Bible and he did believe. But then at the same time, remember, he still had his fear. Even Moses had his fear, just like I shouldn't say just like the people had their fear, like we studied last week. But he did have an element of fear. And then the Lord says, OK, I'm going to give you Aaron, too. You know, he's going to help you. How beautiful is that? How the Lord helps us in our walk with Him. You see, a helper, a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Paracletus, the helper. You see, all these things in the Old Testament are a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ and also a foreshadowing of you. We've studied that already. In Exodus, in Numbers. I mean, when we're looking at these offerings, what about you when you present your body a living sacrifice unto the Lord? You see? And so here we are. You know, you have to see that in verse 13, you know, for all these things to come to pass, that means that this generation that's going to die in the wilderness, they have to remember, they have to retain it in their minds. And this is a big problem for Israel. Because, you know, they forget. And not just here, but they forget through, you know, when they, they get into the promised land, they forget. And the Lord sends prophets and says, remember me, remember me. You know, thus saith the Lord, remember me, remember me. Thus saith the Lord, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Thus saith the Lord, return to me, return to me. 
And I say it's a big problem for Israel, but you know who else it's a big problem for? The church. Christians. We forget the Lord. Why? Because we have our eyes on the world. That's what happens. And so look what happens here in verse 14. And if a stranger, this is a foreigner, dwells with you or whoever is among you throughout your generations and would present an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord, just as you do, so shall he do. One ordinance shall be for you of the assembly and for the stranger who dwells with you. An ordinance forever throughout your generations as you are. So shall the stranger be before the Lord. You see, remember in our study in, in, in Romans, Romans uh, 11, you have, and if you remember, you know, we looked at uh, uh, passages in Isaiah about the stump. So you have the root, the stump, the shoot of Jesse, and in the branches. You see what's happening? You see what the Lord has done? How beautiful is that? I mean, when you take off your carnal glasses, you take off your uh, eyeglasses of the flesh, and you open your eyes, your spirit eyes, given to you by the Holy Spirit, and you start to understand these things deeper, these Old Testament truths, Old Testament promises in light of us and you as a new covenant believer. Wow, how sweet is it that our Lord has done this for us? How beautiful is it that the Lord has made a way for you and for me in our walk? Where? Paradise, the promised land. You see? In verse 16, one law and one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells with you, both Jew and Gentile. You see what's happening here? Both Jew and Gentile. In verse 17, again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, which I, which uh, into the land to which I bring you. Uh, so, uh, Another, you know, remember how we said here in verse 13 how the people have to remember that, that for the next generation. So, yes, they have to remember, but they remember for themselves, but it's for the benefit of another generation, which means that this older gener generation they need to teach it, they need to teach it to their kids because. They're going to die in the wilderness. And as verse 2 says, when you come into the land that you are to inhabit, which I'm giving to you. So the next generation, they have to teach it to them. The older generation has to teach it to the younger. You see? Parents. Parents who screw up royally. Parents who make huge, huge, huge mistakes. Be of good cheer. Because you can repent, you can be, you know, have uh, uh, your heart right with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, you can be a great, great, great encouragement for the next generation, for your kids. I mean, like, you know, how many parents do you know who were like crackheads when they were younger? Say they, you know, dabbled with, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And then all of a sudden they have their kids growing up. And they can say, hey, you know, son, hey, baby girl, you don't want to play around with that stuff. 
You know why? Because I did that and the Lord messed me up. You don't want to play around with that stuff. You know, I speak about sex, drugs, and rock and roll a lot. Or sex, drugs, and alcohol. I say rock and roll. But sex, drugs, and alcohol. I, I, those three things, those are biggies. Those are biggies in the church. I don't just say it like the blanket statement. Like, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, sex, drugs, alcohol. Those are three biggies in the church today. And I could add a new one now. You know, sex, drugs, alcohol, and now the occult. You know, I shouldn't say a new because it's been around for a while, but you're starting to see Christians dabble with the occult. And it's sanctioned by, you know, uh, hireling pastors. It, you know, I don't call them pastors. I call them hirelings. Wolves. They call it, you know, the uh, uh, the white Ouija boards. They say, oh, it's it's not the it's not dark magic. It's it's good. You know, it's uh, uh, the good angels or the uh, uh, the good ghosts or the good witches. And you know, they have it. It's like the, it, they have Ouija like Christian Ouija boards. They they call it Christian Ouija boards, but it's the occult, satanic. It's demonic and it's sanctioned by the church. It's the last days. Apostasy, it's happening. The great falling away. Oh, you're so mean-spirited. You're so mean-spirited. Where in the Bible do you see it's okay to play around with Ouija boards? Things of the occult. You won't find it. So I, I say sex, drugs, and alcohol, but you know, every now and then I'm going to throw in the occult. The Ouija boards. The dark magic. Oh, but it's good magic. They're a good witch. It's good. It's it's good Wicca. No, it's demonic, satanic. It's a lie from the pit of hell. So this older generation, you know, if if you're a parent and you you know in, when you were a kid, you know, and you did the sex, you did the drugs, you did the alcohol, and you know, a lot of parents sometimes they're ashamed. I mean, you know. I get it, you know, it's it's to feel shame for past sin, I completely understand and I agree. I have immense shame for past sin. But what happens when you have a son that's, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old, he starts to get these friends that start doing their, you know, their marijuana. They start dabbling with alcohol or a daughter that has a boyfriend that does that and they're growing up in the ways of the world exposed to the ways of the world you tell them hey baby girl hey son come here you don't want to do that and then what your pat all your shame that you had it can be turned into something beautiful because you're equipping the next generation let me tell you what happens my son let me tell you what happened baby girl you don't want to mess around with this stuff and if you're young, if you're a young person and you're listening, drugs, stay away from it. Stay away from it. I don't care, you know, how cute the guy is, how cute the girl is, stay away from drugs. That is, uh, that takes a big grip. You know, people who take their first line of cocaine and they're hooked. They are hooked. Picture, I like to picture like a big sumo, like a 400 pound sumo wrestler. Grabbing like a two-year-old kid. That's what that's what alcohol is or, or what the, what the drugs is like. Meth, crack, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't care if you have these friends that do it. If you're young, you know, 10 years old, 13, 14, 15. 
I mean, if you're old too, don't mess around with it. But these young kids, don't do that. If you're young, walk with the Lord. Walk with the Lord. And I tell you these things from experience. I never got too much into drugs. Alcohol was my vice. Stay away from alcohol too. Stay away from the sex, you know. Stay away from all of that. Till you get married. Stay away from all of that. We're living in the last days. And I don't say these things to scare you or to frighten you. If you're young and you're listening, you're like, man, you know, this is kind of scary. Well, you know what's more scary? To fall into the hands of the living God. He loves you. He wants to walk with you. And he'll guide you. He does guide you. He guides us. And we make choices to honor him. I mean, I say we make choices to honor him, but... You know, sometimes we learn from the experience of people that we read about in the Bible, like Israel, what we studied in the past couple weeks in chapter 13 and 14. But then also in the lives of other people through their testimonies and their walk with the Lord. Because maybe they had an 11-day journey that turned into a 40-year journey. And maybe the the price that in, in reaping what they have sowed in, 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 uh, in, in their reaping, now they can teach you and say, hey, don't do the crack. Don't do the mess. Don't do the alcohol. Don't do the wild turkey. Don't do all, any of that stuff. The sex, any of that. Pornography. Young boys, even girls now. Stay away from pornography. That's also like the sumo wrestler. You see, stay away from that. It's dishonoring unto the Lord. And it has a big, big, big grip on the church today. Drugs, alcohol, sex, and the occult. It has a stranglehold on the church. Not the remnant, but the church. The remnant, that's something beautiful. Something beautiful. And you know what? It's so beautiful because the, the remnant is going to be refined as through fire. Refinement in these last days. When there's light in Goshen. So let's continue here. What's happening here? You know, if you're an old person or like a parent or like, you know, a grandparent and maybe you made mistakes in life, you can, your past experience, your past shame could be turned into something beautiful as you help the next generation. I mean, you're going to die. I mean, we're all going to die. It's appointed everyone to die and then judgment. But you're going to have a moment in death in life. I mean, you know, your life is going to end and you're going to pass on into eternity. If you're a Christian, you're going to pass on into eternity with the Lord, but then your past choices, even if they were bad, can help the next generation and when, and, you know, kind of paving the way for the next generation, not lording over them, you know, not keeping a tight umbilical cord, but helping, helping, you see, as a brother, as a sister, they say, hey, but this guy's my son, oh, but this girl's my daughter, yes, it's true, biologically, yes. But in Christ, also your brother, also your sister. It's like, you know, husband and wife. Like, my wife is my sister in Christ. I am her brother in Christ. And yet, we're married. You know, biologically, it's like, okay, that wouldn't work. You know, don't do that. But spiritually speaking, husband and wife, brother and sister. You know, I want to help you. You want to help me. You see? That's how, that's how it works. That's how the Lord designed it. And parents get this, uh, oh, I'm your parent, I'm your parent. You know, they try to lord over. Don't do that. If you're a parent, don't do that. If you're a grandparent, definitely don't do that. 
you're, you know, you're heading off into the sunset. You know, don't do that. And so look what happens here, you know, in verse 19, then it will be when you eat of the bread of the land that you shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord. Now, if you remember, when we studied the heave offering and the wave offering through Leviticus. The heave offering is like the up and down motion and the wave offering is like a side to side motion. You know, I give that example, like if you're in a hot air balloon and you go up, you know, and you see somebody say you go up in a hot air balloon and I'm like down at the bottom of the ground and you're up really, really high. And then I look really close. I get some binoculars and I see, oh, that I know you. I know you. And then I start waving my hand back and forth. And you say, hey, look, there's that guy. You know, that's the guy who teaches. You know, that's the guy I listen to. You know, it's like, well, I'm waving. That's what it's like unto the Lord. You know, a wave offering, the heave offering. Acknowledging the Lord. Acknowledging the Lord and the Lord acknowledging you. And in their study in Leviticus, you see, not the acknowledgement of the person, but the acknowledgement that the uh, the sin is being atoned for. A heart is now right with the Lord. And so you have this up and down motion, the side to side motion. And what do you see a picture of? Up, down, side, side. The cross. The cross. In verse 20 here, you shall offer up a cake of the first of your ground meal as a heave offering. As a heave offering of the threshing floor, so you shall offer it up. Of the first of the first of your ground meal, you shall give to the Lord a heave offering throughout your generation. So remember, before it was just the bread alone. Now it's not the bread alone. Now it's, you have the offering, you see? You shall give to the Lord a heave offering throughout your generation. Does that ring a bell? Does that resonate with you as it does with me? You see, for us, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of the Lord. You see, the word of God. These are things that we touched on in our study through Leviticus. And so I don't want to sound like mean-spirited when I say like, okay, we read through these and like, okay, I'm not going to like expound on them, but you know, we're not going to study that. I don't want to come off that way. But these are things that we study in Leviticus. So if you're listening for the first time, you know, you know, when we're done with this study, go back and start listening to our study in Leviticus. Start in Leviticus 1 and just continue on and listen because we start to explain and you know, the Lord teaches us. And so look what happens here in verse uh, 22, if you sin or trespass unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments which the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, then it will be if it is unintentionally committed or unwittingly committed without the knowledge of the congregation, that the whole congregation shall offer one young bull as a burnt offering, as a sweet aroma to the Lord, with its grain offering and its drink offering, according to the ordinance, and one kid of the goats as a sin offering. Whoa, this is a heavy, heavy verse. So one trespasses and all offer. You see what's happening here? 
even if it's unintentional. One trespass and the congregation, the whole congregation shall offer the, the middle of verse 24. If or beginning, then it will be if it is unintentionally committed without the knowledge of the congregation, that the whole congregation, you see, one trespasses and all offer. You see, why does it? Why is it like that? Why isn't it just the guy that does that? Why isn't it just the person who who, who sinned, the person who trespasses? Why not just him? Why not just him alone? Because a little leaven. A little leaven leavens the bunch. A little leaven leavens all. You see? All need to be right with the Lord. The congregation needs to be right with the Lord. The body of Israel needs to be right with the Lord. Yes, the leaven needs to be dealt with, but then at the same time, what is it what is its impact on the body? On the assembly, on the congregation? This is Numbers 15, and we're seeing these new covenant teachings of a little leaven leavens the bunch. You see? And we're going to talk about this on Sunday. I love it when we have these congruous moments in the Word of God where, you know, our study in the Old Testament aligns perfectly with our study in the New Testament. I love it when it happens. It's like a little signal, like, okay, we're right on track, right where the Lord wants us to be. A little leaven leavens the bunch. Old Testament and New Testament. And so look what happens here in verse 25. So the priest shall make atonement for the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven them. So, you look at the camp, I mean, somebody in the camp uh, commits a sin. Even if it's unintentional, like a person in the camp commits a sin, and then another person can say, wait a second, I didn't do anything. It's not me. Let, let, let him pay for it. I didn't do anything. But in this Old Testament camp of Israel, in this camp of Israel, it still has an impact on the body. And not just an impact on the body, but you see how the Lord desires Oneness desires oneness in the body. See? Old Testament example of the body as one. One body, many parts. You see? Just like we learn more in the old in, in the new covenant. And so here in verse 25, it shall be forgiven. So look at what Israel is learning. They've learned judgment. They've learned judgment. And, you know, look at the chapter 13 and 14. They learned judgment for sure. And they're going to learn it even more. But then at the same time, look at other things they're learning. They're learning the fear of the Lord. And they're learning the importance of teaching the next generation. And they're also learning forgiveness. You see, as they walk through the wilderness, they're learning. And that's the beauty of chastisement. It's not beautiful. It's not joyful in the moment. But what does it produce? That's, this is old covenant we're talking. What does it produce instead of you and me as new covenant believers? And so, 
in verse 25, it shall be forgiven them for it was unintentional. They shall bring their offering, an offering made by fire to the Lord and their sin offering before the Lord for their unintended sin. It shall be forgiven the whole congregation. You see, not just that one person is learning forgiveness. The whole congregation is learning forgiveness of the Lord. And, you know, in our study in Leviticus, we're looking at all, the, all these offerings and being right with the Lord, atonement for sin. And wow, they're learning forgiveness. And so look what happens here in verse 26. It shall be forgiven the whole congregation of the children of Israel and the stranger who dwells among them. One body, one body, including Gentiles. You see, Old Testament. Because all the people did it in, unintentionally. You see, all the people. A little leaven leavens the bunch. You see, one body. In verse 27, and if a person sins unintentionally. Now, you say, wait a second, verse 24, the, it, what's happening here? Because I thought it was, you know, I thought it was re referring one person and then they all have to offer. Yes, that's true. But in verse 24, it was without knowledge, without knowledge. So, so here in verse 27, it says, and if a person sins unintentionally, in the Hebrew, it's moreover, it's for the person. So like moreover, the person who sins unintentionally. See, you have to make these distinctions. You know, every now and then I have certain beefs with the translation, more so with the New Testament. Very rarely do you do I have these issues with you know uh, the Old Testament. Very rarely, sometimes I do, but not so much in the New Testament. A little bit more, and you know, take that with a grain of salt because it doesn't happen often. But verse twenty-seven is more like you know, moreover, the person who sins unintentionally, then he shall bring a female goat in its first year as a sin offering. So there's still the offering of the guilty person. So. Yes, there's the, uh, you know, a person can say, oh, you know, I didn't do anything. What about, what about this guy? You know, he should be the one to pay. I didn't do anything. Well, no, the whole congregation, because a little leaven leavens the bunch, the whole congregation has to be right with the Lord. But then on top of that, the person who actually committed the sin or the trespass, he shall bring a female goat in its first year as a sin offering. You see, the person by which this sin entered the camp. So the priest shall make atonement for the person who sins unintentionally. When he sins unintentionally before the Lord to make atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him. So the congregation is learning about forgiveness. And not just forgiveness, but they're learning about frequency of forgiveness. Because this is going to be more common. This is going to be more common, not just here in the in, in numbers, but you're going to see it in you know the 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 the, uh, the, um, the Old Testament when you get into the Kings and the Chronicles. We're going to study this more, and you're going to see it like, wow, you know, why is the whole congregation doing this? And then also you're going to see when the entire congregation doesn't do it, and that's when the Lord sends prophets. Hosea, Amos, Zephaniah. And he sends these prophets to say, hey, the people are forgetting me. You know what I love about that? I mean, I don't like it that the Lord is being forgotten. I don't like it. 
But what I love so much is that there was a Jeremiah. There was an Ezekiel. There was an Amos. I love that so much. Because, you know, in, in their generation, like Jeremiah, they called him the lonely prophet, the weeping prophet. In that generation, Judah, they thought, oh, we're of the elect. We're hardcore. We're of the elect. God is for us. God is with us. The prophets of the Lord are saying this. Everything is, is fine. We're blessed of the Lord. Jeremiah was, um, no, no, guys, you're, you're wrong. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't be doing this. And then the Lord would speak with Jeremiah. Jeremiah had intimacy with the Lord. And the Lord would tell Jeremiah, their prophets don't speak for me. It's not my word that's coming out of their mouth. It's their word. You see? Very interesting how we see this, how the congregation is learning forgiveness. And not just forgiveness, period, but forgiveness, comma, with this frequency of forgiveness because we're going to see it over and over and over. It's like a shower. You know, the longest I've been without a shower is like two months, a little bit over two months. And I was really nasty. You say, like, ooh, that's gross. What, what in the world was he doing? I was in another country. I mean, that, that just, I was, you know, it was, you know, it, uh, doing things, you know, it, it, uh, military type of things, you know. And so we were, we didn't have access to bathing you know so two months without a give you know it was like a little bit more and i was really really nasty really 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 uh, just i mean two months i mean the one week is pretty funky but two months I mean, we all were but it just blows me away because it's like wow you know you go like a day or two without a shower and you're nasty you know you are just straight up nasty and you know the same thing applies with our carnality, you know, to come to the Lord and Lord, forgive me. Lord, I didn't know this. Or you know what, Lord, I did know and I took advantage of your grace. Lord, forgive me. You see, to come to the Lord in repentance with the repentant heart. It's not, you know, oh, you know what? I did the altar call when I was 10 years old, so I'm good to go. You know, that's the danger of once saved, always saved. People say, oh, once saved, always saved is, is, is biblical. You believe and, and you're good to go. But, you know, I'm never going to stop reading this. From Luke 8, verse 13, the Lord speaks about the parable of the, uh, of the seed. In verse 11, Luke 8, verse 11, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. But then in verse 13, we see the ones about the seed. The ones on the, uh, on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while. You see, believe for a while, which means what? They believe for a little bit of time. Not forever. Not till they take their last breath. They just believe for, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years, a couple decades. A short-term believer, but not one who believes for the long haul. Until the day they die. It's a short-term believer. Why are they a short-term believer? Because it says here at the end of verse 13, and in time of temptation, fall away. A falling away. You see? Apostasy. A falling away. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it is prophesied. It is coming and it is already happening. It is here. 
the days of apostasy. And so, you know, we look in our study in Numbers 15, and that's why, you know, be very careful with the once saved, always saved. And I don't want to, you know, scare anybody and be like, well, you know, I'm going to lose my salvation. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. No, period. It's not abide in Christ, period. Abide in Christ, comma, and the Lord says, and I in you. You see? So you look at like verse 13 and four, or chapter 13 and 14 in Numbers, and you see a certain kind of confidence that, is interesting with Israel. You see a certain kind of confidence where it's like, oh, you know what? We're good to go. We're with the Lord. God is with us. Even when they were, you know, when 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 in uh in chapter 14, verse um uh, verse 40. In chapter 13, verse 40, when you know the Lord said, turn around. You're not going to go. It's not going to be an 11 day journey. Turn around. But in verse 40, the people will wake up in the morning and then they want to do, they want to be obedient. They want to be obedient when the Lord told them something totally different. The Lord said, turn around and they're not turning around. It was that presumption, presumption. And the Lord addresses that here. You know, in chapter 15, the Lord is teaching about repentance. The Lord is teaching about being right with the Lord, being right with Him, and teaching further about Him. And He taught it exhaustively in Leviticus, but He's teaching it now. You know, when the Lord says here in verse 2, speak to the children of Israel, speak to the people, to the people. Very interesting what we see here. And in verse 15, you see that being taken care of. Where it was like, wait a second, you know, maybe we shouldn't be as overconfident as we used to be. Maybe we shouldn't be as presumptive as before. And maybe we should be obedient to the word of God. You see, I wonder if there were people in the camp who were like that, where before in, in chapter 13 and 14, oh yeah, we're good to go. God is with us. Wow, look, he brought us out of Egypt. He gave us manna. We got some quail. Everything's good to go. Yeah, some people died in the wilderness. Yeah, some people died after the quail. And you know, uh, Moses' sister, Miriam, she had leprosy. And you know, some people died at, by, by the uh, uh, Philistines. And you know, I used to think that, you know, we're okay with the Lord. We're good to go with the Lord. But now, maybe I shouldn't be so presumptive. Maybe my confidence should be in the Lord and His Word. And it's me that has to obey Him. It's me that has to align to Him. Not Him to me. I wonder if there was somebody in the camp that was thinking such. And I wonder if there's someone in the camp today that is thinking the exact same thing. Maybe I shouldn't be so confident in me but maybe i should properly place my confidence in the lord and instead of me making the lord aligned to my will which is idolatry that's not good to do because you're elevating yourself the same thing lucifer did don't do that it's you that yields to the word of god you that yields to the holy spirit not the other way around you have a choice to make. We yield to Him. We abide in Him. And He in us. 
But when it's he in us, we still yield to him because he's on the throne. He is preeminent. That's the choice that we make. Because a lot of times what you see today is that people will say, yeah, I believe the Bible. I believe the word of God. But then they'll see a passage they don't like. like uh, I don't like that. I don't really agree with that. So I'm just going to skip that book. I don't really agree with how the Lord is dealing with things here. So and I'll just skip over Numbers 14, 13 and 14. I'll just skip over that. I'm not going to read Numbers 13 and 14. It's a hardcore lesson that the Lord taught us in Numbers 13 and 14. About our own fears. That's hardcore. An 11 day journey becoming 40 years. That's hardcore for Israel. But it's also hardcore for us. I don't want that to happen to us. So let us yield to him. How sobering is it? I mean. Picture a defeat. A major, major defeat. You know, defeat by the uh, Canaanites. How demoralizing that is. I mean, you know, like uh, all the, the men who were able to go to battle, all of a sudden they don't all come back. Meaning they've died. Casualties of war. Casualties of combat. And they don't come back. Picture how sobering that might have been. Not might have been. Picture how sobering that was. And then at the same time, it's like, whoa, you know what? Moses was right. We shouldn't have done this. We, we, we acted presumptuously. We were overconfident in ourselves. No, our confidence needs to be in the Lord. It's beautiful to be confident, but in the Lord and His ability as we learn to trust in Him. But where you have confidence in self, don't do that. That's not good. That's not good. And you know, that you know, it, it's it applies to all of us. The meek inherit the earth. Our confidence, our reliance, our dependence is on the Lord. And He provides. He provides. I love like, you know, all this hullabaloo was happening in the camp, and Moses and Aaron, they fall on their face before the Lord. I mean, it's before the people, but in their hearts, you know, before the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, and then the Lord spoke to Aaron. How beautiful is that? And so look what happens here in verse 29. You shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally, for him who is native born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger who dwells among them. One law, one people, Jew and Gentile. But the person who does anything presumptuously, which translates as irreverent, prideful, haughty. It also translates as uh, uh, taking for granted. And it also translates as lacking restraint. Very interesting. Very interesting. You see, Paul wrote about in Romans taking advantage of God's grace. You know, does that mean that we should sin more so that grace can abound? Question mark. No way! Exclamation point. Does that mean that I can go ahead and sin more so that grace can abound? That's not good. Presumptuously behaving. Oh yeah, I'm good to go. 
I did the altar call when I was 10 years old. God is with me. I'm a king's kid. God is with me. You see? Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived where deception is running wild in the church like a wildfire. Don't be presumptuous. You and me, we're in the same boat. Let us be a people that is not presumptuously or behaving presumptuously. That we can, you know, have hearts that are soft and so rendered unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So that we can be in tune with Him in our intimacy with Him as He guides us in our walks. The person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is native-born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord. Translate says that one that one blasphemes the Lord. Whoa, do you see what presumptuous can do presumptuousness can do? You see, remember, translate says uh, irreverent, prideful, haughty, taking for granted, and lacking restraint. Oh, I'm good to go, so I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, take some of this crack. I'm good to go, so I'm going to do my sexual stuff. I'm good to go, so I'm going to go ahead and, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Do my uh, Christian Ouija board. I'm good to go, so I'm going to dabble in the occult. My pastor says it's okay. That's not a pastor. That's a wolf. It's a hireling. And they're being exposed in these last days. They're being exposed. Don't follow them, you know? And you, if you have a pastor that's crazy, if you have a pastor that's off in the crazy town and teaching false doctrine, that says nothing's wrong with the occult, nothing, nothing's wrong with grave soaking, go ahead and do your, you know, your Christian yoga, go ahead and do your Christian Ouija boards, get a new pastor. You have elders that are yes men, get, you know... The last days are no joke. No joke. It's serious business. Very, very serious with eternal consequences. Pastors now are teaching that it's okay to take the mark of the beast because they rest their laurels on once saved, always saved. Oh, because of once saved, always saved, you can take the mark of the beast and you're good to go. You see? Presumptively saying, presumptuously saying that. Pastors, well-known pastors too. So-called pastors. I don't call them pastors. So-called pastors who have their own study Bibles. Oh, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You can still be saved. You know how dangerous that is? That is... To be expected in these last days. It's to be expected. And you know what? It's going to get worse. It's going to get much worse, my friend. Here in verse 30, this person, the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is native born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord, he blasphemes the Lord, and he shall be cut off from among his people. He shall be, how it translates is, destroyed, killed, put to death. You see? Now, if you happen to be a Calvinist and you're listening, I want you to know that I love you. If you happen to be reformed and you're listening, I want you to know that I love you. 
But don't be comfortable with sin. Be very careful. Very, very careful with these teachers. I mean, you hear me say like teachers now are saying it's okay to take the mark of the beast. You know, when we're done with this study, you scroll and you listen to another study we did. It's called Do Not Take the Mark of the Beast. And you'll know exactly who I'm speaking of. Listen to it. I don't care what any man says. I don't care what any woman says. I don't care at whoever it is. I'll tell him to his face. Do not take the mark of the beast. Never, ever, ever take the mark of the beast. And if it costs you your head, so be it. I don't care what any so-called pastor says. These doctrines, crazy, crazy doctrines, they're being exposed. And it just blows me away so much because baby, baby believers, young Christians, young, young Christians, just like 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 3, young baby Christians, they don't know. They don't understand these things. They don't understand these deep things. Why? Because they're not taught. I can understand a baby Christian who's been a Christian for a week, maybe two weeks, maybe five months. I'll give some a little grace period. I'll say six months. But a Christian who's been, you know, a Christian for 10 years, 20 years, and they're still on milk, that's not good. But these false teachers... So-called pastors, so-called shepherds. You know, the Bible talks about the worthless shepherd. Bringing in these new doctrines, bringing in these uh, crazy, crazy ideas, going off into crazy town. It's happening. The apostasy is prophesied. It will happen and it's happening now. And the Lord teaches us about things presumptuously, doing anything presumptuously, Old Testament, New Testament. Oh, yeah, I'm good to go. And you take advantage of God's grace. I'll go ahead and do this crack. I'll go ahead and do my Christian Ouija board. It's sanctioned by the church. It's a white witchcraft. You see? It's the good witch. It's the good evil. The good bad. It's the good whatever. Very interesting days that we live in. Dark, dark, dark days. Dark, dark. I mean, it's palpable. It's palpable. And love is waxing cold. Everything is happening just as the Lord told us. Just exactly how the Lord said. You see, we can lean on His Word, not lean on ourselves, not lean on our own ability to whatever. But we lean on the Lord and His promises. And you know what? He will guide us. He will guide us, just as He did with the people in Israel. Just as He did. All these plagues were befalling Egypt, except where was the light? It was in Goshen, where the people of Israel lived. And he's like, he's like, well, you know, they're going to cut off my head. They're going to cut off my head. You know what? Beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Oh, death, where is thy sting? You see? 
in verse 31. Because he has despised the word of the Lord or disdained and scorned the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment and has broken God's commandment, that person shall be completely cut off. His guilt or his iniquity shall be upon him. You see, no atonement. No atonement. So you go a day without a shower. You know how nasty you're going to be? Man, you wake up in the morning, get dressed, go to work. You know, your coworkers are going to be, you know, they're not going to come be with you. They're not going to be around you because you stink. Then you do it again the second day. Your third day, no shower. Fourth day, no shower. Finally, your boss is going to say, hey, you know, you need to take a shower. You're getting pretty ripe. You need to take a shower or else, you know, don't come to work. It's now a safety hazard. What about sin? What about trespass? Oh, I'm good to go. I did the altar call when I was 10. Wait a second. You need to be clean. I meant... Why is it that the Lord says, repent in, 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 in Revelation 2 and 3, why is it that he says to the churches, repent, 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 repent? Why is that? Why is that? Why would he tell the churches to repent? I mean, if once saved, always saved were true, why would he tell the churches to repent? I said, repent, 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 repent. I saved too. On purpose. Philadelphia and Smyrna. Very interesting what we see here. No atonement in verse 31. This person who sinned presumptuously despised the word of the Lord. He's broken the commandment of the Lord. And that person shall be completely cut off. His guilt shall be upon him. His guilt is upon him because no atonement, no shower. His filth is still there. You see? Oh, but my seminary says that it's, you know, once saved, always saved. My pastor teaches once saved, always saved. There are pastors, well-known pastors, pastors who have their, you know, their own study Bibles. And they're starting to teach the mark of the beast is okay to take. Not good. For such a time as this. A trap for the last day's saint. In closing, look at verse 32. Now while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Remember the law says, don't do any work on the Sabbath. That's what the law says. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to, the, brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what, they should, what, what, they sh what should be done to him. So you see, the people now are behaving differently. You know, they're behaving differently again. Chastisement is fresh. And now they're seeking guidance from Moses. Moses, Aaron, what do we do with this guy? Look, it's the Sabbath and we caught him gathering sticks. What do we do with him? Then the Lord said to Moses, the man shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So the people, look what's happening here. Now, I'm not advocating the law in no way, shape or form. 
A lot of times, you know, you talk to people, oh, your Christians are so stupid. You think that we should stone people. You think that we should stone this person, this person. And I tell that person, I should be stoned. I should be stoned. Why? Because of my sin. Because of the greatness of my past sin. I should be stoned. You know, talking to a homosexual. Talking to a lesbian. They're very militant now in these days. Oh, you Christians, you're so stupid. You think that we should be stoned? I should be stoned to say, listen. Listen. I should be stoned. If you're a homosexual, you're lesbian, you're listening. Exit. Exit the sexual sin. The exact same way that I had to exit the sexual sin. Because God loves you. Remember, God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You say, wait a second, He came into the world and I'm condemned because of my choices. But you don't have to be. At that point, you can't blame God. Why are you mad at God? You should be mad at yourself. Self-inflicted. I'm not advocating the law, but understand that the wages of sin is death. That hasn't changed. I mean, here the wages of sin is death. We're seeing it. The Lord says, stone the guy. He's breaking the law of the Lord. He's, he's working on the Sabbath. I'm not under the law. I pray you're not under the law. If you're a believer abiding in Christ, you're not under the law. And rejoice. But if you're listening right now and you're not a believer... Maybe you're involved in some kind of sexual sin, drugs, alcohol, the occult. Put it down. There is a better way. His name is Jesus. And you join me in the ark. You get in the ark. You know why? But judgment is coming. I mean, other thing, God loves you too. <laughs> he loves you. To take your sin and place it on his son. That's how much he loves you. He takes your sin, places it on his son, and Jesus Christ died. Because the wages of sin is death. Life for life. Jesus died, you get to live. Satan thought he defeated the Lord. Except the Lord rose again. Fulfillment of the law. You see? Satan thinks he knows the Bible. He knows the Bible. But he forgot. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. He's defeated. He's defeated. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to believe that. But he knows. He's defeated. He can chop off your head. He can chop off my head. He's still defeated. So we see this. The Lord is saying, the man, in verse 35, the man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So the people, they're learning the fear of the Lord. So you hear this, you read this, you talk to these non-believers, the mockers of these last days. God is not merciful. God is not merciful. But don't forget, he wanted to start fresh with Moses. Just last week we studied that. He wanted to start fresh with Moses. 
kill all the people and start fresh with Moses. Moses, I'm going to start a new nation with you. And already the Lord has shown the people mercy. Mercy. After all that has happened, and now it's the Sabbath, and you see this guy is gathering sticks. After all that has happened, why didn't he collect sticks the day before? Like everybody else. What was he doing? Lollygagging? What was he doing? Maybe he didn't take the, 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 the law seriously. He didn't take the Lord seriously. And because he didn't take his the, the Lord seriously, it cost him. Now he's stoned. Just like, you know, the, the, the women, you know, who were, Jesus Christ died and he was buried. And then the women, they did all this work the day before the Sabbath. They were collecting the, the ointments, the aromatics. They were collecting all these, the essential oils, you know, the aromatics. They did that all on the day before. So the Sabbath, a day of rest. And as soon as the Sabbath was over, boom, they're running to the tomb. You see, beautiful, beautiful women. And I don't mean beautiful. I don't say that carnally in a worldly sense. I mean beautiful, like, wow, just their hearts. Where were the men? Scaredy cats. Scaredy cats, afraid of the Romans. Afraid of the Jews and afraid of the Romans. Afraid of the religious leaders and afraid of the, the political leaders, the, the, the Roman soldiers. Afraid, scaredy cats. Where were the women? They could care less about their life. They just ran to Jesus. You see how beautiful it Wow. But even they didn't work on the Sabbath. They did everything the day before. And that's what, was, that's what was custom when the law of the Sabbath was given. They would do everything the day before because the next day is a day of rest. So I'm going to collect my wood, collect all my sticks the day before. I'm going to do all these things the day before, prepare the meal. Everything's the day before so that I don't have to work on the next day. No work, just a day of rest as was given in the law. I'm not like, you know... I'm not hardcore, you know, Sabbath, like, you know, Seventh-day Adventist. I'm not into that, you know. Be careful with that. You know, I, sometimes I I say things, I kind of gloss over things with the, I, I kind of like, uh, I, 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 you know, not understanding that maybe people don't understand what I'm talking about. But, you know, I want to say not like the Seventh-day Adventist. They're like the Branch Davidians. The Branch Davidians, they were, all of them, all of the Branch Davidians came out of Seventh-day Adventists. You know, so we have to be very careful with these doctrines. We follow the Bible, okay? The, word, the Holy Bible, Genesis, Revelation. Follow the Bible, okay? And just like our study in in uh, Romans, Romans, uh, uh, um, I mean, 14. Let me make sure. Bear with me. Romans 14, you know, the uh, uh, Romans 14, 5, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe. You see? So, you know, I'm not like, you know, like, oh, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, but understand what the Lord is doing here in the law and in the fulfillment of the law in Christ. This person is gathering sticks here. Numbers, numbers fifteen. Why didn't Why didn't he do like everybody else? 
Why, why was it? Why, why, what was he doing when everybody was doing this extra work in preparation for the Sabbath? What was he doing? Why is it that he's not obeying the Lord? The, the, the women did it. You know, when the men were scaredy cats, they were afraid and hiding. But the beautiful, beautiful women, what were they doing? They didn't, you know, who cares about my life? They were saying, I'm going to go see Jesus. I'm going to honor the Lord. And, you know, yeah, you know, he's, they, they killed him. There's that grief. And I'm going to put ointment on his body. These aromatics, because I don't want his tomb to stink. I'm going to honor him in his death. And I'm going to, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, he rose again. The tomb was empty. But here, in accordance with the law, the people who are learning the fear of the Lord, but they're also learning something else. They're learning judgment. And I don't mean judgment like condemnation, even though, you know, the command was given to stone. So there's judgment on the guy. But the people are learning to make, you know, like when I say crino, anacrino, and diacrino. And of course, there's derivatives of crino, but those are the three biggies in, in the New Testament. But they're learning to make an assessment. They're learning to make a determination. That's what the people are learning. So as their 40 years journey, I meant an 11 day journey is nice. That's nice. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. An 11 day journey. But in this 40-year journey, they're learning a lot. They're learning a lot. It's a form of chastisement, this 40 years. But at the same time, what is this chastisement producing in them as they learn the fear of the Lord, as they learn forgiveness, as they learn how to make judgments and determination? You see? And in verse 36, in closing... So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp, not inside the camp, outside the camp and stoned him with stones and he died. Wow. Very interesting how, you know, no swords, you know, no knives. It's like, okay, kill this guy and you're going to stab him in the heart. No, stones, stones. Remember in, you know, in, when altars were made to the Lord? Oh, Lord, I'm going to make you this altar and it's going to be nice this, nice that. And, and the Lord says, no, use stones. Use stones. Nothing made of man's hands, you know. Nothing made of man. The altar. And I'm not advocating the law and saying like, yo, look how good this, look how awesome this is, this guy is stoned. I'm not saying that at all. But to understand that in the fulfillment of the law, remember when the Lord says to the woman caught in adultery, woman, where are your accusers? The supremacy of Christ and the new covenant. You know, look at verse 23. In verse 23, all that the Lord has commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day the Lord gave the commandment and onward throughout your generations. You see, and onward throughout your generations. So what Moses, what the Lord put in place through Moses, 
was here and you move forward, move forward. Genesis, all through time. I mean, picture, this is one big timeline and you move forward, 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 until, boom, Jesus Christ. And then he teaches something different. Remember, he says here in verse 23, from the day the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, what does that say about Jesus Christ and his supremacy to Moses? When Moses was just a servant, remember the Pharisees? They were like, you know, oh, we follow Moses. We're hardcore. And Jesus Christ says, no, Moses wrote of me. Moses wrote about me, he tells them. You see, the supremacy of Christ. Now, who has that authority to even say that? Who has that authority? His name is Jesus, Son of the Most High. Son of the Most High. How beautiful is that? And so all of a sudden, look what happens here in verse 37. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments. Now, this is something that the Lord speaks of in Matthew 23 when the Pharisees, you know, you guys have large phylacteries on your head. You know, you guys wear these tassels. You, got, or you wear these garments. Everything was for, sh for show. The religious leaders. The religious leaders. Everything was for show. But then he says here in verse 38, speak to the children of Israel. So it's for everybody. It's not just for the priests. It's for everybody. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners and you shall have the tassel and, and you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember, remember all the commandments of the Lord. No period here. No period. All the commandments of the Lord and do them. No period here. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. That you may, he says, and that you may not follow the harlotry. Translates as the whoring and the whorish ways to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. That's, translates as the tendencies of the eyes and the tendencies of the heart. There's only one who gives a new heart and a new spirit. His name is Jesus. A new heart and a new spirit. Have you ever talked to somebody and they open up? You ask them, you know, tell me about your life before Christ. And all of a sudden they start to open up about their testimony. And you're just in shock. Like, I can't believe this. No way. No way. And they're like, yep. That's what the Lord did in my life. And you're just blown away. What? And they're saying all this and you're like, are you sure? Yep. That's what the Lord did. And praise be to the Lord. Because as the saying goes, Jesus cleans his own fish. People say, oh, I'll, be, I'll get serious with Christ. But, you know, let me, let me go to a, a meeting. I'll get serious with Christ, but I may put down the crack. Let me give up the pornography, the sex, all these things. Let me give up the, you know, the Ouija boards. Let me, you know, I'll, I'll get serious in a little bit. No, you come to Christ, you make a decision. 
You believe in Jesus Christ. You repent. You receive him as your Lord and Savior. And you know what? Jesus cleans his own fish. He will clean your life. You give your life to him and he will clean you up. I guarantee you. But you have to give him your life. You have to give him your heart. Everything. You have to surrender your body a living sacrifice. And give your life to Christ. In verse 40, and that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. This is very personal. Very personal. Look at verse 39, that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. And that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. This is told to all, told to all, but heeded by few. It's the same today. Told to many, the word of God preached to many, taught to many, but heeded by few. Be holy for your God. Not for anybody else. Kids, if you're young, if you're listening, be holy. Not for mom and dad. Be holy for the Lord. Honor Him. I mean, if you're really young, you know, you, you honor your parents, you know, and they're teaching you. But if you're like a teenager... 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. If you're like young, young adult. And I've seen this in like teenagers, 15, 16. And I've talked to 16-year-old boys and girls. I can't wait to leave. As soon as I'm 18, I'm out of here. And I was so restricted. I was restricted from this. I was restricted from that. And as soon as I'm out of here, boom, I'm going to live it up. I want a taste of the world just like all my friends are doing. I want to see what this world has to offer. But you have a choice to make. If you're a young person, you have a choice to make. You might be honoring the Lord right now. Because it is in honoring your parents. Don't do that anymore. Say you're 14, 15, 16, and you're listening. And your parents might be there too. <laughs> so just, you know, go sit in the corner, put in your earbuds, you know. <laughs> Your parents are listening. But in your heart of hearts, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you open your Bible, you read, you pray, you do these things. Why? Because mom and dad like it. They've taught you that. And it's good. I'm not saying it's not good. It's good. But if you're doing it for the Lord, if you're being holy for mom, if you're being holy for dad, if you're being holy for grandma, for grandpa, for uncle, for auntie, for whoever, for pastor, don't do that. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know your station in life. But I don't know those young people listening. You be holy for Jesus Christ. Because you've made a choice to so render your body 
a living sacrifice unto him. And you be holy for him. Nobody else. Why? Because it's pleasing to the Lord. It's the exact same today. All the, I'm going to read verse 39 again. 39 on. That you may look upon it and remember the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. And that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. You make a choice. Honor the Lord. In the multitudes, the multitudes are often crazy town. You know it. I know it. We see it. But that's the multitude. You see, I speak to the living. You make a choice. He says this in verse 41. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. As much as we talk about intimacy, as much as we read about intimacy, the Lord desires intimacy with you. He wants oneness with you. So much so that it's not just a closeness where you're side by side or even face to face. It's a closeness where he says, abide in me and I in you. Love. You see how powerful this is? Chapter 15. The aftermath of chapter 13 and 14. Chapter 13 and 14 were very, very difficult. But chapter 15, I couldn't wait to get to chapter 15. I mean, there was a guy who got stoned. You know, I'm not happy about that. I'm happy about what the people are learning. I'm happy that we don't live in the age of stoning anymore because we're, you know, we're Christians. We were under the fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ. But you say, wait a second, I thought, you know, it, you, the wages of sin is death. Yes. Which is to say, abide in Christ, believe in Jesus Christ. If you're a non-believer and you're listening, cut it out. Cut it out. What's well, not to believe? Oh, that's fairy tales. You know, I, 10 years ago, you could say it's fairy tales and I could understand it and I would have to like engage and persuade but now, look at the prophecies are happening left and right. Look at what's happening. Russia, Iran, Turkey, Israel, uh, the, the Euphrates River, Mark of the Beast technologies, all these things. Look at what's happening. It's like, just as Jesus Christ says, I tell you these things beforehand so that when they happen, you might believe. What's not to believe? I mean, we can't say that anymore. I mean, if you're a non-believer and you're like, you really can't say that argument anymore. We can't, re you can't rely on those things anymore. You get, oh, you believe in fairy tales. You be look at what's that look around. You, it can't be prophecies are happening left and right. Left and look at the Pope. The Pope, they call him the vicar of Christ. I call him the vicar of Antichrist. Just as Spurgeon did. You see? 
Oh, you're so mean. You're so mean. How? How? Is there salvation outside of Christ? No. There you go. The Lord desires intimacy. In these last days, as people are going off into crazy town, you make a choice. You know, I kind of like, you know, pointed out the young person. But for all of you, maybe you're old. Maybe you're super young. It's for everybody, for all who believes. Just as he says here in verse 40, and that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. Let that be said of us, a people of the way, on our way to paradise. God bless you guys. Love you guys.